serious CBD. The best CBD products on the planet. Over 100 five-star reviews. Can verify authentication. Gold in full spectrum. Full panel lab tested. What is full panel lab testing? Cannabinoids and terpenes. Pesticides. Mycotoxins. Solvents. Heavy metals. Microbials. Foreign matter. Get serious. Serious CBD. It's time to resist. They can't arrest us all. And they can't keep all your kids home from school. They can't keep every government building closed. We don't have to accept the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and feckless bureaucrats. We can simply say no. Not again. The only way to stop these mandates is to refuse to comply. Refuse to show vaccine passports. Refuse to wear a mask. Refuse to stay at home. We will not comply with Fauci. We will not comply with Joe Biden. And we will not comply with authoritarian governors. I am not going to comply. This ends now. Broadcasting live and live to Patriot Control of America. You're listening to the Patriot Party Podcast. Now on the show, the chair is against the wall. The muskrat jumps over the berm. I know why you're here, Neil. I know what you've been doing. I know why you hardly sleep. Why you live alone and why night after night you sit at your computer. You're looking for him. I know because I was once looking for the same thing. And when he found me, he told me I wasn't really looking for him. I was looking for an answer. It's the question that drives us, Neo. It's the question that brought you here. You know the question, just as I did.
Hey, and welcome back, fuckers, to another edition of True Spiracy. Uh, yeah, there you go. Nope. Are we operating now? We're operating at retard speed again. Damn it, OBS. It had no issues for me yesterday. I think it's no you. issues right now. I, th- it I had think no it's you. issues right up to right here. It's completely you. Oh, my God. It's totally you. So anyway, well, welcome back to another edition of True Spiracy, True Spiracy 46. I am the making with me, of course, my beloved better PF. V-Lynn. Hello, Patriot. As we're going to dump our stream real quick, we'll yeah. be right back. <laughs> um, I'm sure you're all aware uh, we got nuked big time on Twitch. On Friday. On Friday, we have been removed from all of the platforms except for Cannabis and Combat 2. Which we have no control over Which we have no control over. So if they shut that down, we have absolutely no control over it. If we have anybody getting in there, unless you are a mod on uh, Cannabis and Combat 2, Mm -hmm. I was not before uh, Justin passed away. Um, There's not a whole lot we can do. The power is not in our hands, mm-hmm. but we're still going to broadcast there anyway. I don't give a shit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll go there until they shut us down there too. I give a flying fuck. Yeah, we checked to make sure that he didn't keep any of his old shows on there, which he didn't. So, because um, yeah. that's where we start. That's where we learned to do it. Yep, so right exactly. now, he taught me. He was like, "Nope, don't don't keep your shows on there because that's how they get you." And they got us anyway. Right now, the only chats that we are uh, going to be able to monitor are, are pilled in the Rumble chat. So, and be live. Oh, but I don't know how to bring DLive up over here. Mm. Okay. I mean, I can bring it up on my phone. Um, I mean, if we're going to do DLive, I'd like to put it up on screen where I could actually see it, which we could do that here because I don't need much of this screen. True. For a stream yard, I can run off of do yeah. two separate yeah. windows and have DLive running on a separate screen okay. and monitor the I'll, chat there. I'll figure that out for tomorrow. So we'll have DLive chat up tomorrow. All right. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Teach him, teach him how to play in the chat. Yep. Teach him. Just let's, hey, folks, let's not go crazy because remember, she's the one that gets freaked out by all the little pictures and shit. So she'll fucking shut your shit down. (laughs) All right. Sometimes we can talk. Exactly. Yes. We can talk about everything on that side. Mm -hmm. You guys can talk about it in the chat. We can talk about it in the chat. Um, Exactly. And I will uh, be going through. I got to remember everybody who was mods over there. Uh, You will be getting modded back over here. You know, I keep that rule wherever you are mod at, wherever you're watching from. Oh, there's Dev. Yeah. I I sent some people the cannabis and combat link. Like I've been sending that out. Oh, okay. You know, well, but anyway, I just know that we got nuked. So today, did you do this in such a way that we can hear the audio? No, I'm going to do it in okay. such a way that we can do that. I'm going to stop that in just a second okay. because I realized that we're playing it through there. So mm-hmm. that will be a bitch. Yep. So I will do it that way too. We just went live on Red Pill. Weird. I know. I mean, we've been set up on there for an hour, so I don't know why. Hmm. Weird. Okay. Okay. Whatever. So. Anyhow. Uh, today we're going to be doing... The five-part docu-series that uh, Ms. Vera was here talking about mm-hmm. on Tuesday. That she gave us permission to air because now all five parts are out. So we're playing it directly from Children's Health Defense. So if you guys want to go back and rewatch it or if you miss a part, I mean, of course, you can always go back on Rumble on our channel and watch it. Um, but you can also you know, support childrenshealthdefense.org and see it there. Um, but we are going to play all five parts for y'all. Yeah. Um, and And... 
we'll, we will talk about them after mm-hmm. we're done um, with each one. Uh, we'll see what you guys think. Um, and um, real quick, I do want to. Um, LifeSite News had actually put out even an article about it. Uh, a documentary film was published on Monday published Monday on Children's Health Defense that draws disturbing parallels between the Nazis' propaganda push during the lead-up to the Holocaust and today's psychological manipulation of the masses using the pretext of COVID-19. What we're clearly seeing here is a replay of the same telltale signs of what precipitated the Holocaust in the 1930s, Orthodox Rabbi Michael Green said in the first part of a five-part Never Again documentary series by Holocaust survivor Vera Sharab. So it's already getting some, some traction. Um, it's honestly, I think probably one of the most important documentaries you'll ever see. So you guys, uh, what we're going through. give me a, a pause here. We're going to go backwards real quick. Uh, you guys were talking about Robin Williams. That wasn't a tribute to Robin Williams. That is a tribute to Adrian Cronauer. Uh, today was the date that Adrian Cronauer first went live in uh, Saigon on AMF radio, which was American Free Forces radio in Saigon. Um, he was the first one of us, if you really look at it, to get canceled. If you go back and watch the movie Good Morning Vietnam, he played music that the elders did not agree with. And he told jokes that people were edgy. They were you know, not today, they're not edgy, but I mean, they were edgy. They were that side of the humor. And uh, July 18th, 1965 was his last show in Saigon before they booted him out of the country. And he just pissed off a lot of people. So I saw that this morning in my Google feed and I started giggling to myself. And then I'm standing there this morning in front of the fucking mirror. And I realized it has been one year to this exact date that uh, it's my weed anniversary. It's your weed anniversary. Yes. One year ago today, he started smoking again after a 28-year hiatus. Um, in our quest to get him off of all big pharma medications, and we have been successful. It's a weed anniversary. When was the last time you took a a, a pill? A year ago. Mm-hmm. And so now you you're off Adderall. Everything. Blood pressure medication. Antipsychotics. Mm-hmm. anti-seizure medication yep. um and uh ibuprofen because we got you off pain pills a long time ago mm-hmm. all from thc and cbd one year one year it's pretty amazing congratulations babe i think i get a weed sticker <laughs> i created a monster somebody, somebody somebody get me a weed sticker yes anywho all right so um let's get to it yes yeah. Yes. Actually, no. You know what I get for that? What? Fuck you. This is what I get. This is my one year chip. Do we have it in here? For smoking weed. Did you bring it in here? Because I ran in at the beginning of the show. Oh, no. you, you want to do that? Thunder. 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 Thunder kicks. Get the fuck oh. out of here. Oh. <laughs> and fuck it. You're right. Go yeah. get it. All right. I'll go get it. I'll be right back. We're going to do that too. Yeah. Fuck it. Hey, you know, I, I had that song pulled CLB too. That was the one he did on his way out. I wasn't going to do his way out speech, but um, you know that it was really weird because I was looking that shit up today after, because at first I thought it was bullshit. I was like, no way, that's not true. And then I went up, yeah, no, no shit. Yeah, it was his first broadcast, was February 4th, 1965. I was like, holy fuck. He had already been in country for four months. He got there in September and uh, or five months. Anyway, one of the really crazy things that I did not know, I had absolutely no fucking idea, was... Um, he uh when he got there and when he left country 
the guy who replaced him. Does anybody know who the guy that replaced Adrian Cronauer on AMF Radio and Free Saigon? If you're not aware, it was Pat Sajak. Yes, the same Pat Sajak who's on Wheel of Fortune. He replaced him on the air. How fucking crazy is that? I was like, that is nuts. That blew my mind. I was like, all right, it's a it's a small world. We get to shit like that. Uh, he lived in Virginia um, after he got out of the military, and he continued to work um, both in radio and he became a lawyer. And then apparently got sued by like the Better Business Bureau or some bullshit. Um, I don't remember. I don't know what all happened with that. Uh, he died in 2018. His wife died in 2016. And uh, I just draw a lot of parallels to the shit that he was dealing with when he went to Vietnam. And what we're dealing with today, censorship, um, you name it, whatever you want to call it. He was fucking... I mean, they dealt with, that's what he was dealing with. He couldn't go on the air and make jokes and do all that shit. I, I, when I, I read the rest of his story, the, basically the shit that, um, Robin Williams and him did on the air or during that movie, he had nothing to do with it. Uh, he refused to meet Robin Williams until after the movie was done taping. And then after the movie was done taping, Adrian Cronauer and Robin Williams met for the first time. And after Adrian Cronauer saw the movie, he was like, did you watch videos of me somewhere that I don't know exist? And all Robin Williams did was took skits that he had of tapes from AMF radio. And he listened to the skits. He wrote down what the skits were. And then Robin Williams just repeated the skits in his own voice. Because he couldn't mimic what it was real as grainy audio really sucked, as Robin Williams put it. And uh, it was fucking nuts to listen to the two of them talk about it. I was fucking blown away. I was like, that's kind of cool. And they never met. And then the movie was filmed and put out. And when Adrian Cronauer thought he thought he was watching himself in the movie, he was like, this is nuts. He's like, I didn't even know that. Mm, okay. Craziness. Anyway, All right. So first, uh, we're going to do a pre-tribute of a pre-tribute. I think today Justin would be doing a tribute to you. So my so, tributes to Justin right back. There you go. Because it is my anniversary. There you go. So you guys get to enjoy it too. Go ahead if you got it. Pack it up. Smoke it. All right, Linz, we've been uh, fucking around. We haven't started the, the actual movie yet, so you're not too late. You're good. We'll be starting the actual documentary here in, a, in just a moment. But for those of you just joining, as today is Mick's anniversary, the one-year anniversary of the first time he smoked again in 28 years. We got him off of all big pharma medication. We're celebrating. We're celebrating. So just get uh, enjoy. And it was Justin's fault. Nah. To your Dude, fault. You were Justin the one for you over years. The edge. I know. For years I was on your case, and then Justin pushed you over the edge. You know that's true. He and I created you, your true. monster habit together. It's definitely a joint effort. I just noticed the whole thing. Once you quit getting stoned... Mm -hmm. It's just 
I was like, wow. It sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it sucks. But the thing that doesn't suck <clears throat> is you have no more pain. And the upkeep. Oh, you mean? Yeah, I could go probably a day without smoking and not worrying about anything. But I, I think after 24 hours, I start to. You start to feel that the arthritis, uh, yeah. that, that, yeah, Pain joints start back. to swell up. Yeah, the inflammation sets in. Absolutely. Okay. I hear you. You told me to get that. All right. Mm-hmm. I do have a, because we had asked for some updates the other day about what was going on across the pond. Yes, we did. And we got an email and from I got our friend Craig. And I got an email from Craig, and I wanted to read it before we move forward here, because he actually had some really good shit to say. For someone who doesn't own the t- a TV and watch, or watch the news. Yeah. Which means he gets a newspaper. Exactly. He gets the real news. All right. So hold on. Let me see. I'm trying to find it again. It was this morning, so it should be because I read it too. I'll get there. Just wait. Mm-hmm. There, there it is. is. Boom. Okay. He said, Hey guys, uh, firstly, I'd like to apologize for not being able to be on the live each night. Uh, when I do go live with you guys, I am always late to work, even though I intend just to listen in bed. I'm catching up on your Friday show, so maybe late for this, but the BBC, they are calling for all under people under 50 to get their booster before they pull it. That in one way is a good thing, but I see the push in the media, not that I see much. And is it a final push to finish off the people that are more uh, reliant on the state? Um, good for me and my kids, as we, the woke crowd, can't push me further into late-term abortions of all the self-righteous, uneducated sheeples. Also, in the news, the prime minister has uh, to put his tax returns in. So considering his past, that could be interesting. In other news, atop the UK general uh, has come out to say that the UK is no longer an elite fighting force. So the US and the UK are both fucked by the sounds of it, as we are asking for others to take advantage of us. Uh, to add insult to injury, German defense minister announced that they are at war with russia that is not good nope we played that clip though well that's the highlights that i can find from the uk which is from someone who doesn't have a tv or watch the news so i dare say there is loads more that i have no idea about Mm -hmm. over and out big mike because he knew i had to fucking do that (laughs) (laughs) fantastic Uh, all right it's giggly Without further ado, get that shit set up. All right. Uh, let's do that. Yeah. <sighs> yes, because we figured out how to do it so that you guys get the audio when we play it through. It's... No, it's not no, that. No, no. no, it's it's Just, still in there. I know. Stand by. Just calm your shit, woman. Got me? Uh-huh. Okay, babe. Fuck. <laughs> All right. All right. Never again is now global. All right. 
my birth name was Vera Roll, and I was born in Romania in April 1937. And in 1941, we were deported and herded into a concentration camp in Ukraine where my father died before I was five. Well, we were thrown into a concentration camp that was not a death camp, was essentially a transit camp. We were left to starve, but the fear of being put on a list for you to be sent to a death camp was always hovering over everyone. So it was a constant state of fear, uh, of course, cold, and starvation. I mean, the big deal was to get some potato peels. Peels, not the potatoes themselves, and to roast them. Well, my father died of typhus, which was a raging infectious disease at the time. It was raging in all the ghettos and concentration camps because of the lack of hygiene, lack of nutrition. My mother learned, she got wind of the fact that there was going to be a rescue of some children, or orphan children. So she lied. She put me on the list as an orphan. Technically, I wasn't, I was only half an orphan by then. But she did that to save my life. I left on one of the cattle trains that brought uh, millions of Jews to the death camps, to Auschwitz and the others. There were, by the way, more than 42,000 concentration camps. It wasn't just a few. And on the train, again, I met, I befriended a family. When we got to the harbor city, there were three small boats that were waiting to take us. And they had lists assigning people, each one, to their assigned boat. I was assigned to the boat with the orphan children. But I refused. I absolutely refused. No matter what, they couldn't, they couldn't convince me to go in that boat, no matter what. And I cried and cried, had a temper tantrum, I guess. But I wouldn't budge. Everybody boarded, and I was left all alone, <laughs> sitting on my little valise, and I just wouldn't go on that boat, no matter what. Miraculously, they gave in to me. And I went on the boat with the family that I wanted to be with. During the night, a submarine torpedoed the boat with all the children. And I didn't find out about it until the morning when people were still very, very, very upset. There were no, none of the children survived. And I thought to myself, well, I was right. I was right not to obey. That's a lesson that I think has kind of made who I am. In back of my mind, it's there. I know that if I don't trust something, if I don't want to do something, I don't. It's you can't argue with your own experience, and I wish people now would draw on their own experience and intuition and not listen to authorities. I landed here in 
January 8th, 48. Adjusting to America was harder, much harder. When I looked around, really, New York was, you know, glamorous and pretty well, people were well off. And I thought, where was everybody? Where was everybody? Well, you know, as life went on, I learned that there are many instances where terrible things, including genocides, happen in one corner of the world, and the rest of the world is totally disinterested. My name is Sarah Gross, and uh, I was born in Budapest in 1932. I really had no, uh, uh, no, no problem growing up in the, uh, it, was, it wasn't a ghetto actually, but I didn't feel anything different. I had a, quite a happy childhood. I even studied the piano and uh, uh, it was, it was, it was uh, up until uh, the, uh, the Germans came in, you know, into the, into the, in the city, which was quite late in the war. But uh, later on, everything changed, okay? My father was working in a hard labor camp. And uh, okay, my mother was taken to the concentration camp. You know, it, it, it's, it's so difficult, you know, now that, that you know, started it, uh, just digging into the past. It's, it's like it's like opening the Pandora's box, you know. Suddenly things come up back to me and, and thinking of, of how it turned out to be, what happened and, and the whole process. So when my mother got into the concentration, was taken away from, from the superintendent who spied on her. She told the Nazis, there is another Jewish lady there in that apartment, take her away. That's how she got there. Luckily, you know, with children, they didn't get children below 16. That is a deja vu, you know, I feel exactly, I mean, people tell us what to do now. People are telling us how to do, how to go, what to shop, closing, and because of what? because of the, of, the, of the false, uh, whatever it is. I don't believe in the COVID. I don't believe in COVID-19. I don't, simply don't. It's all man-made, man-made to make our lives miserable. That's it, I can, I can definitely uh, say what I want, so I lose friends, what can I do? So this is how you say your friends are, actually. But, but unfortunately, I don't want to die feeling the same way as I did when, they, when the Nazis came in, you know. Oh, I, I have to get a deep breath, you know. What did we reach this point that people need a disaster to wake up? This is one disaster they didn't learn from history so far. What happened? What happened to people? They don't learn anymore. They don't want to know. They just go on and on and on the same thing. And a few of the, of the top can tell us what to do. And we need like no more puppets like that. We are pulled from the string of the top. 
You don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to. Anyways, I, I'm so I'm so uh, upset about this whole situation. Really, I am. I see what Israel is doing now. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. It's just terrible how they, they are there, you know. They agree, they're going with the, with the, with the same things, with the, with the booster, another booster. My great-grandchild is one year old now. And looking him, seeing him growing up, that's my booster. That's my booster. This is what keeps me alive, actually. It's, 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 it just, it just unfathomable what's happening to people. What happened to the educated, the scientists, the doctors, and all the all the other big shots? They all think this way. I doubt. It's not just the Jews. It's it's the whole world. You know, it's 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 like it's like a, a twilight zone. You know, us already dying out. The Holocaust survivors. How many left of us? You know, even though the people live now until a hundred and hundred, but what kind of life they have? What kind of life? This is, this is, this is no life, you know. I was so active where I have no idea. And now I'm sitting with, I feel like in a, in a, in a jail, you know. Whatever we call normal anymore, we don't know what normal is, you know. How do we know that? Because everything is so abnormal. Everything just doesn't make sense. Things don't make sense anymore. And then how people don't see that. They don't, they are, they are blind to all this. And, and my close friends, you call them close friends, they go, oh, yeah, we have to live with it, you know, we have to get used to it. I said, no, no, we don't have to. We don't have to. You go ahead and do it. I won't be among them, definitely. I don't want any more jabs, and I am sorry I took the first two, because I didn't want to lose friends. Everybody was running to get the first two. And I, I, I got them, and I'm not sorry I did. Maybe, maybe that's why I cannot walk. I don't know. Who knows what goes on? Honestly, I don't know anymore. I don't know. And it was because of the, of the disaster we had, you know, in the Holocaust. It all came to that point. We don't want to do it again. The same, the same, the same miseries and the same telling us what to do. Hope, hoping, hoping for the best, you know, that all this will be lifted and people will open their eyes and they see what goes on. But uh, uh, it will take a long time. It will take a long time. So I knew right away that what the media was saying uh, was not consistent with the truth. It wasn't reality. But all of a sudden, Governor Cuomo decided that the prescription of hydroxychloroquine for patients with COVID-19 in the outpatient setting was to be prohibited. Now, this is a drug that's been around FDA approved for 65 years, and it's been used over a billion times. That was the beginning of my recognition of absolute medical tyranny and evil. And, and just keep in mind that my patients were dying. I came up with an approach. They stopped dying. Then there was a government decree that put a 
a barrier between me and my patient, you know, the doctor-patient relationship used to be sacred. And the patients couldn't get any more of that medication and they started dying again. That's how I got into COVID-19. Anything that gave people hope, whether it was hydroxychloroquine or later ivermectin, or even um, just a simple concept of early treatment, which is common sense, was marginalized, vilified. Any doctor who spoke up against the government narrative was immediately deplatformed. So I noticed the debate and truth were irrelevant. What was relevant was a narrative that the government wanted you to know. And so I started looking deeper, trying to get a better understanding of what is really going on, because um, nothing made medical sense. My data, which was published internationally, peer-reviewed journal, showed a 84% decrease in hospitalization and death if high-risk patients were treated early. Now, subsequently, that data has been corroborated by dozens of peer-reviewed papers treating patients, high-risk patients, early with an anti-inflammatory antiviral combination of drugs. It didn't matter if it was hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. What mattered was that it was given at the right time frame to the right patient. And that showed, a meta-analysis showed an 85% reduction in hospitalization and death. So to give you a sense of scale of what we're talking about, out of 900,000 dead Americans, we could have prevented 760,000 from going to the hospital. I'm honored to be here. My name is uh, Michal Green, um, Michael Green in Hebrew. And um, I'm a rabbi, I'm an um, ordained Orthodox rabbi for over 26 years. And I've served as a representative, a shliach of a of the Lubavitch Rabbi. And I've, I've run a, founded and ran a Chabad house and synagogue in Westboro, Massachusetts for the past 20 some years. I started seeing very uh, frightening signposts that were that were kind of w- warning me of what was coming up ahead all the way back in June of 2019 when they um, the state of New York eliminated religious exemption to vaccination. And um, I saw that as a very disturbing trend that happened in California. I saw that as a violation of, of, of an individual's human rights and their body autonomy. And when COVID, the alleged pandemic began, I felt it was my duty to protest every aspect of COVID policies and public health policies that were not um, scientifically substantiated because that was the justification for the Holocaust. It was the justification for Stalinist persecution of Jews. And it's been a justification for mass murder and marginalization of a minority for uh, for since time immemorial. So I, I saw uh, COVID policies as, as a repeat, a kind of repeat of from the pages of history that we, that we never learned the, le- the lesson from. I'm a scientist who does biomedical research and who by chance stumbled on that issue of vaccinations for COVID. My father and his parents 
understood, they were able to hide, to go to escape and go to to England. When I think of the parallels with what happens today, the different, the big difference I see is that there was somewhere to escape at the time. So there was England. You could escape to England. Maybe England would have fallen, or there wouldn't have been Churchill. But there was Churchill. And one of the questions we have to ask is, who is the Churchill of, of today? Not sure there is. We can't know where we could escape. They succeeded to globalize the problem. And anyone who pushed for globalization, knowingly or unknowingly, created this. Mm -hmm. That includes the control of banks, global control of banks, whatever it is. That's what we are dealing with. Uh, at the level of the parallels, it's really this slow increase, incremental laws or mandates and so on. And that, that's what my, my grandparents told me. They remember, not my father, but they remember uh, one law and then one law and then one law and everybody saw, oh, maybe maybe it's stopping and they or they stayed because they didn't feel like going away or and then suddenly you couldn't go away yes and uh, now it's more difficult because there isn't where to go but uh, up there incremental thing that goes to works everybody thinks it can't be the same because there are no gas chambers so first that's wrong because the the, the these injections are a time bomb a gas chamber and that's what they don't understand and the other yes. point is you don't wait until then you, you then it's too late you have to to warn people before while you're on the way while they tell you don't go out of home don't go into the pub don't go there and there, there. and that makes no sense a big difference was you knew who to fight and for the last two years you don't know who to fight there was an army to draft into. My grandfather knew he would volunteer to the British army. My mother's father went to the French army. They fought more or less successfully, but they did fight. And these were indeed, they were actually fighting the, the bad guys. But this time, you can't know. The, the fog of war that we have today is much, it's the same idea, but it's much worse, maybe than ever. Then there is, maybe the brainwashing is much worse than at that time. I don't know that, I can't know. But it looks like you, you see people walking or biking in the park alone with masks, that's yeah. amazing. So my name is Henny Fischler, and I, I'm, for the moment I'm living in Israel. I was born in Belgium uh, in the year 1938. When I was about four years old, uh, the Germans came into uh, Belgium. When uh, my father, my mother, my brother, and myself wanted to flee, uh, we were caught uh, at the border to France a, uh, by the Germans and went to Dran Drancy. 
when we were in the cell in, in Drancy, I don't know how, but my mother succeeded to send a little note to my aunt who was already in France, that we are there. So my, my aunt uh, sent the passeur with money and he bought us, my brother, my brother and myself from the Germans. My brother was put in a, a Italian family and I was put in a, a cloister with a, um, and I was very badly uh, treated there. One day, I don't know what I did. I don't know, I did something wrong. I don't know what. And they put me on the table and took all my clothes off. And I was naked before all the kids and so on. My parents perished in the Auschwitz, so I don't know them. And the only picture that I have from there is only what I said in the cell, in the prison. I fought with my children and my grandchildren. I, today, I don't say anything anymore. They don't listen to me. They don't want to listen to me. They are afraid from the truth. I, that's, what, uh, that's what I think. I don't know. I, I, I can't explain it. I can't explain why are they so stubborn not, not to listen to me. Not to me. You know what? Don't listen to me. But ask questions. Ask, ask the doctors. Ask the lawyers. Ask, I don't know who. But ask and get some answers and nothing. And when I'm sending them some, you know, from doctors, from lawyers, from Dr. Zelenko, from the, uh, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't send me anything anymore. I don't want to listen anymore. What shall I say? I don't know. I don't know. Well, my, my name is Martina Grossman, Burmeister. I came to Israel uh, from Holland. The father of my uh, father was Jewish during the Holocaust. That meant also his brothers and his mother. Uh, his father wasn't Jewish, he was Dutch. And uh, during the Holocaust, when it started, uh, my grandfather uh, said that it's none of anybody's business uh, if we are Jewish or not. So when the Nazis in Holland said that we need, that Jewish people need to register he says, we're not, I'm not going to do it and nobody in the family is going to do it. You're not going to do it. It's none of anybody's business. And that decision saved their lives because the Nazis did not have proof. They, they, they suspected it and they thought it and they did everything to make their life uh, miserable. They even fired my uh, um, grandfather's father who was working for Amsterdam. They fired him because they, they wanted him to uh, divorce his wife, who they thought, but they didn't have proof that she was Jewish. She was Jewish, but nobody knew for sure. And uh, they fired him because they said, if your wife, even, even when we suspect that your wife is Jewish and you are not divorcing her, that means that you should not work for us. You should not. So we, he said in front of them and he said, well, not having a wife, not having a job, not having a wife, not having a wife, I prefer not have a job. And he left. And he said from that moment on, um, people took care of him. They, they get their, uh, they, there was no money in the time, but they get all the time food and, and, and somebody took care of them. And uh, then they said, well, you know what? They think we're Jewish. They, they cannot do anything according to the law in Holland, but um, let's, let's do something else. Let's behave differently. 
if they think they're Jewish, we can help Jewish people because nobody suspects that we, the Jewish people, that they suspect that are Jewish, that they're going to help other people, Jewish people to, you know, to, to help them. So in their own home, and they were living during the whole World War in Amsterdam, like Anna Frank, in a house the, on the third uh, floor, and they had another fourth floor that was regular, and there was the Jewish couple living all that time. And they were just fooling the Germans, they were fooling the Nazis. And, and um, the, the brother of my father, of, of my um, grandfather, he was in, uh, um, dealing in art and he was uh, himself a painter, making beautiful paintings. In the United States and in Europe, there are in churches and in Betty Knesset, you have uh, windows that he created. He was very uh, an artist. So he thought, if I'm good in that, I can do other things. So he created all kind of fake identity cards for people, and he helped other Jewish people. And, and uh, that's the reason that they, in, in Israel, in Yad Vashem, we, we have a tree on the name of my great-grandfather and great-grandmother and, and the brother of my grandfather. And they just, I don't know, they, they said they were scared. But uh, making their uh, fear uh, a way of stop to live or to be who they are, that was not an option. So, I, and what I learned from that, he always told me, if you have to lie to live, lie. <laughs> and it, it sounds very bad, but he says if you have to lie to live your life, lie. It's not, it, I mean, bad people go away in the end. And you have to stay true to yourself and do whatever you think is right and ask questions. Never just do what people tell you to do. And, and I think that helped me a lot in, in my life, and, and especially what happened today or the last two years. I asked questions. I went straight to, the, to Pfizer. To the, the, they have a, a website and you can see exactly what this vaccine does and not does. And so it's very simple. I, I just asked questions and I read and I and I got informed and I said, well, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to do something I don't want to do. So, and I think that's what I learned to be free. This is freedom, the freedom to choose, the freedom to be whoever you want to be, and listen to your instincts and to your intuition and follow your own heart. And it's it's exactly what I'm doing, what I'm telling people to do. So that's what I learned during this time. That in times. When things get tough, that yes, my grandfather, he's, uh, I'm all family. There are a great example how I want to be. I, I really truly see a parallel, and the parallel is really undeniable. I, I feel that any objective person should be morally outraged by by any time government or corporations band together to trample on individual human liberties. I see this as a as a moment a moment of truth for humanity. What we're see clearly seeing here is a replay of, of the same uh, telltale signs of what precipitated the Holocaust in the 1930s. The marginalization of a minority, or identifying the minority as a threat to public health or a threat to a, a public health risk. Um, that is exactly what Goebbels did. And the, that was the, the right out of the Nazi playbook, may their names be erased. And there is nothing more morally reprehensible than government or authority of any kind declaring a human being and other human, innocent human beings as a public health risk. And it doesn't matter if these people 
claim to be doing so innocently for the greater good, because this, that's what Nazis did as well. But that doesn't justify marginalization, persecution, and apartheid, and, and ultimately, uh, you, you know, uh, eugenics policy targeting um, innocent human beings. And, and, and what, we're, what we're seeing nowadays is precisely that. But for the last 80, 70 some years, we're, we're, we're chanting never again, we'll never allow this, and we, and we can never allow the marginalization of a minority ever again. Those same uh, liberal organizations are doing exactly that. Just recently, there was a, uh, a Jewish woman who, was a, who herself was also a Holocaust survivor, who was asked to speak at an event in Turo College for Yom HaShoah, for Holocaust Memorial Day. And she was, she was then, they canceled her because she could not show her vaccine papers. Can you imagine? And this was done at Turo College. This is an, organi- an Orthodox Jewish institution. And, and they, they have become the, the um, purveyors, modern day purveyors of tyranny, of, of persecution and, and marginalization of a minority. What we're seeing now is that, that it's not just the, 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 the prelude, as you said, to the Holocaust. We are witnessing genocide happening right now, global genocide. We are witnessing right now. I don't know if your if your viewers are aware of what's what's what has been occurring in Shanghai, and and what governments around the world are doing to people. People are people are literally being left to die, and they're being locked into their homes. They're being denied uh, nutrition, hydration, uh, access to medical care, in the name of 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 combating an amorphous, invisible disease. You know, and that's exactly what the Nazis were doing. Which had, which had no had no scientific substantiation, and, and that's really the issue here now. And I, this is what I appeal to people: I appeal to people, to scientists and people who work in the medical field, that you have an opportunity after seventy some years to atone for the Holocaust by by doing what? And by no longer standing by in compl- complicity or collaboration with genocide, with eugenics, with persecution of a minority, with scapegoating a minority. And this is what our elected and unelected officials are doing: blaming the unvaccinated. It's like blaming the, the the un-Aryan. It's the same thing. It just has a clever twist to it. It's the same thing. It's the same genocidal totalitarian tyrants doing the same thing all over again. And 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 the only thing is they they, they gave it a facelift. Now it's not now it's not at the hands of, of of brown coats. Now it's the hands of white coats. In the name in the name of science. So what's happened is that intelligent people have suspended their own critical thinking. If this is what the, the CDC or the or the AMA dictates this is the policy, then we have to support the policy. The policy matters more than the individual, more than my my oath to my individual patient, more than the Hippocratic or the Mamadian oath. And that is a, a violation of medicine. That's a desecration of medicine. It's a desecration of religion. It's a it's the cynical subversion of every of of, of of our entire society, where everyone becomes a policeman of tyranny, of a policy of tyranny. And this is the important thing, Vera, also. I, I feel that all of this, you know, what is it called? Plausible deniability. And everyone wants to wash their hands, wash their hands for it and says, you know, it's not me. I was just I was just doing my job. Well, that is exactly what every Every German and every Ukrainian and every Pole who took part of the mass killings and participated, or, or or banned people from stores back in the back in the 30s, that is exactly what each one of them said. We were just doing our job. We're taking orders. And at one point, the people wake up. At what point did the, the, the medical-minded people and, and people of scientific backgrounds? When, at what point did they wake up and realize that the the entire narrative has been hijacked and there is no there's no free discussion. There's no dissent allowed. We're living in times of, 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 tyranny, of tyranny, book burning, censorship. At what point do they realize that? Do they have to wait till they get censored? Well, 
that's another thing, uh, another parallel is my the grandfather who was in the French army, he got into camps and he's, he always feared after that the doctors because he said these are the worst. And he saw that already in the 40s. Mm-hmm. He said it's basically antinomic to what we understand should be medicine and the fact that so many doctors, normal doctors, would take part into that. He saw them doing all kinds of experiments of people on people entering the barracks with huge syringes and things like that. So he saw that. And uh, when he had a heart disease, when he was 60 and so on, uh, it was such an issue to bring him to trust to get an operation that could keep him 15 more years alive or even 20 more years alive. And because he couldn't believe that he really didn't trust the the doctors. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we really see today. I, I hear things when I go to the doctor, I'm, I'm actually not, I'm, I'm actually mishandled. Mm -hmm. And that everybody now knows about that. But that's a real parallel with what happened at that time. It's happening now all over the world with this COVID. I didn't take any any shots. I'm against it. I'm against the mask. I'm against. I'm against people who are telling me what to do with my my body, because it's it's a lie. It's a big lie. When people are so blind, I can't stand it. I have to. I have to try to convince them to, to, to open their eyes, to open their ears, not to go like sheep. We, we went like sheep in the Second World War. You didn't understand anything. You didn't learn anything from this war. This is a war. This is another war. Okay, it's a, it's, it's a biological war, but it is a war. Don't do things without questioning. I, I was so angry that people are so blind and, and they don't understand anything and they don't learn anything. I want to, to show the people that we are, do, we are going again to another situation that is it, it, horrible. You are going like sheep again and again and again. What is frightening also is that uh, today we know that the Nazis, they didn't die. They are still living in between us, even here in Israel. I don't know how they did it, but they are here and I know they are working silently, but they are here and they they are doing so bad things. And that's what, I don't know, I don't know how to to fight them. This is in God's hands. I don't know how to fight fight them. Only 20% of the Jews came out from Germany. It will the same thing be here now. I think when you look back to the Holocaust, I never understood how Germans can become Nazis and and can just do what they tell you to do. But I don't I, I don't want to make the the whole comparison because we are not there yet. I mean, nobody was sent. I mean, there were people sent in Australia to 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 camps and they didn't kill them there yet. That's that's true. 
but the the process that we are going through is part of what they were doing to them and i see that it's it's possible it's it's not so crazy at all most people just think well we need to do what the government says and they want what is good for us and they trust them and they think that's the way it is so when you look back to what happened in germany i can understand now that it happened and that's even more it's so scary that you can understand what happened there that it happens again not totally not with all the killings yet but it could happen it's it's not so crazy to think that it did happen it's 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 terrifying that people do not learn from history and that they don't act on their I mean their intuition or I mean that's great it's, it's crazy that you do not understand that's what's going on it's not good for you but yeah, so many people my grandmother who survived the, the Tsarist persecution and pogroms and she survived Bolshevism and Stalinism she told me the government is never allowed to dictate to you what is essential and what is not. And here I'm being told by the governor of my state that public worship, the communal worship is not essential. So I decided right then and there, I got home. I told my wife, we are not shutting the doors of our, of our synagogue, even for one day. And my wife said, well, what if, what if someone gets sick? What if we get sick? What if we die? I said, we have to be ready to die. We have to be ready to die before we allow government to shut down our religious observances, our, our right to, to live and, and live freely our um, essential human liberties. And uh, that's why we never shut the doors um, of, our, of our synagogue. Many people were very upset at me. And uh, into, a few weeks into this, um, people in my community and abroad were very critical of the fact that I refused to um, compromise my values and my freedoms with any aspect of COVID policy. The, the cancel culture of our times. If you are accusing me of being a public health risk without any substantiation, without any evidence that I'm causing risk to anyone, that is exactly what Goebbels did to our brethren and our, our brothers and sisters, our ancestors in, in Europe. It, when you call someone a public health risk, then you are now the dictator. You need to show evidence for that. And, 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 and that's the problem with this. If we could somehow reach out to all these people who, who've fallen for this and are sitting by idly, quietly, in, complic in silent complicity or tacit uh, collaboration, with this extraordinary assault on humanity, on, on individual liberties, it's unprecedented. And you're sitting there and taking your front place, showing your your vax card, complicitly and proudly. How do you how do you face yourself? Where where's the where's the where's the evidence? Where's the evidence that that vax card is protecting anyone? When I tell tell people that here we have you know forced experimentation without informed consent, which is exactly what Mengele did, and now we we have we have doctors and nurses doing that throughout the country. And, and, and when I tell people that's what Dr. Mengele did, people said, oh, how dare you invoke the Holocaust? So what they, they got hyper-focused on the swastika, on the, on the brown shirts, on that specific particular time and place, and they, don't, they fail to see the, 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 the horrific parallels. And, and not only that, you know what's happening? It's so insidious that, that I get censored when I invoke the Holocaust with regards to public health policy. I'm not allowed to invoke the Holocaust. So in the name of the Holocaust, they're stifling freedom of speech. They're burning books. They're censoring people. It's like in the name of the Holocaust, they're carrying out a Holocaust. It's just unreal. The very idea that I need to suspend my reasoning and my conscience to become part of a group and do what and, and suspend my judgment to embrace what the, what the what the group is telling me is good for the group. That itself is inherently anti-Jewish. It's anti-biblical. We are not allowed to collaborate with 
crimes against humanity, even if it's even if it means sacrificing one to save many. This idea of sacrificing one human to save other humans is is inherently perverse and anti-biblical. Public health policy is superstition. It's really pagan superstition. So our fear, our, our unsubstantiated fear, entitles us to to force or to 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 trample your individual human liberties. They're shouting these platitudes, never again. And I'm looking around the world, it's here we go again on steroids. And then and they're saying never again, never again watching TV, getting all teary-eyed when they see jets flying over, flying overhead in Israel. And 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 meanwhile, so many millions of Jews now in Israel have been have been subjected to medical experimentation without informed consent. Like like Dr. Mengele is 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 Shepping Nachas from his grave, from his wherever he is. Rabbis, lay leaders, doctors, lawyers, professionals, you know, they, they can't see it. It's like the writing is on the wall. It's right in front of them. Humanity has been groomed. Every society, every level of society has been, has been, has been subverted. Religious institutions, organized religion has been subverted. And, and Orthodox Judaism has been, has been subverted. And, and it, it's now time for people, for, you know, the people who really want to stay true to God's, to, to, to do God's work are the people who are going to stand up in the name of truth and justice and medical freedom. I feel at this time, each and every one of us has a moral obligation to correct the wrongs of history, to stand up and be the Raoul Wallenberg. The, the only um, health that ever existed is the individual's health. There has never been a public health. We, we, we don't have to placate the public health gods. A doctor has to treat his or her individual patient for what's good for his or her individual patient. Every single medical procedure or medical practice needs to be considered with regards to how does it affect this individual patient? Is it necessary? Is it therapeutically necessary? Does this person have a condition? Does it have a diagnosed condition? This idea of treating a person as a risk without symptoms, without any uh, scientific empirical evidence is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is an assault on humanity. And this is what we, this, we have this opportunity now to real truly correct all the evils of history by calling this out and, and by, by, by no longer complying, but to define and taking back our freedoms. But I feel like these evil, you know, diabolical eugenicists in the world, the people who are really behind this, yes. those people on top, that's just their, that's just their chess piece. The one who's carrying out the, you know, the, the, the evil Fauci is so bad or Bibi is so bad or Bennett or, or uh, Trudeau, but what they're hiding behind it in, in, with, with, with plausible deniability. It needs to say, okay, yeah, Fauci's no good, we'll replace him. Oh, uh, uh, Cuomo's no good, okay, Cuomo's gone, he fell out of favor in the population, so now there's this other person, Hochul, and, and she doesn't have all that bad baggage, and she's gonna go and perpetuate the same tyranny. Now is the time, now that was the Raoul Wallenberg moment. He could save one person, go save that person, and you are on the side of good, you are on, uh, you are correcting the wrongs of history, and you are, you are vindicating humanity. The people who do that to us, they really want to exterminate us. And you hear that, you see, they try to grab every child they can to inject it. Another thing that my grandfather, the one who was in the camps, told me all my childhood was, it is going to happen again. Be ready for the next time. He told me that many times. He told me it is going to happen again. I am certain that all the conditions are there. And that was in the 70s, 50 years ago. Yes, 50 years ago. He really told me that all the time. He saw it coming. He probably saw in the 
society, all the roots, all the ingredients were there for for it to happen again. And that, that's maybe the reason that we see it today. So he was able to compare, to see the structure of society and the way people thought before the war. Yeah. And uh, he he saw it all the time, all the time, and he was in France, he would see it, he told me, it, it, is, it will happen again. He was certain it would happen again. That was ingrained in me, really, that the idea that the administration, that the state are not in your favor, that they mishandle you, that you might, from one moment to the other, lose everything by the strike of a pen, that suddenly you are, you have no rights at all. That's something that you suddenly lose your citizenry. From one day to the next, they, they had nothing, everything was taken. This is the bank account story, of, I'm saying of Canada, it's probably happening in other places. So like, people have to understand this is the money of part of particular people, of individuals, it's not only of a state. You can't do that. If you, this, that means you can't live in a society where there is no right to property. And that's a very, very, very big parallel with the, the 30s and the 40s. You were Jewish, so this isn't yours anymore. And and, the, and apparently people don't want to see the parallels now because it, it is really similar. That's true. It's extremely similar. You, you feel like it's the, really the same people who are behind it. It's not about Hitler as a, as a puppet. It's people, we still don't know who was behind it. One of the things that were, were, was being tried and done on many people was sterilization. So, yes. And so a common denominator is not only euthanasia, but especially eugenics. That is behind the two periods. And these people, we say there are too many people here. And what does it mean? There are too many people for the earth. And that, that's what they all say. A lot of people say that. And that's exactly the Lebensraum ID, vital space ID of the, uh, of, the, of the Nazis at the time. We need Lebensraum. Yeah. We need vital space. So today they say, yeah, we need that so we kill as many people as possible, which is what the Germans said. We need to conquer and kill the people living there so we have enough space and some we keep as slaves. So in that sense, it looks very similar. It looks, but people can say, yeah, but the injection, you assume the injections are going to kill so many people and we don't see it yet. And I, I do see people saying that there are different uh, production lots and I cannot confirm it by, on my own, but I do see changes over periods in the lethality of the injections. Mm -hmm. So, or 
in how much people die after shortly after injection versus more lately and I so I have to assume that let's say what was injected exactly a year ago or six months ago that's not the same the questions are about the long-term effects. Will people die of some AIDS-like syndrome, meaning uh, immune deficiency problems or not? And then we are back to the issue of the gas chambers when people say it's not the same thing because we don't have the gas chambers. But the gas chambers is the final solution. It's the end point at, that we know of from that time. And we are not yet there, and we extrapolate from the direction that we see of the different mandates, measures, whatever is happening up there, what they say they want. And so we continue that, and that's why we say it's the same. It's not only, but we already in what we see today, we see the parallels, like the, the, this, this force control of everything which is today much worse. In that sense, a lot of things people say, no, it's not like at that time. No, in many ways, it's worse today than at the time. Absolutely. It is worse. It's maybe not worse in the cruelty of how they kill people. Maybe not. But the, the total control is beyond anything. At that time, they didn't succeed to destroy family as well as they no. succeeded now was one of the parallels between today and then is that the worst part already then was propaganda, false information, information war. Yeah. The, my great-grandparents wouldn't have been killed if they had the correct information or yeah. if maybe they had it but they believed the wrong one. No, Without this information, the major, it's basically disinformation that killed them. After that, they, what made it possible that they could be physically killed was the disinformation. Yeah. Yes, that is exactly what we are seeing. I would say that's another common point with that the previous time. Yeah. Because there, there were a lot of intellectuals and universities who went with Nazism. Yes. I think in the States it was Columbia, if I'm right. And indeed, the, the, the control of science and deciding what is the right science yeah. and the Aryan science and what is the Juden science, Juden yeah. Wissenschaft. Yeah. That is another point today that they say that's what they call the fact and check of the false science and the right science. Right. This is a very strong parallel. And as we said before, I, I think the disinformation point is the worst part yeah. or, or the worst tool, let's say. And that's where we see it. And it's indeed the same. There was Aryan Wissenschaft and Judenwissenschaft, meaning Jewish science versus Aryan science. And this we see today. That's something they will, I mean, if you come to the parliament and you can really tell them when you say this one is allowed to teach and this one is not allowed to teach or this is allowed to be taught and this not, that's exactly what they did at the time. Judenwissenschaft, yeah. and right. you can use German in Luxembourg, by the way. If, if we go only with technology, 
then I think a big part of humanity, what who we are exactly, is going to disappear. So it makes us less smart and less connected, and and I, maybe that's what what they want in a way that we're connected to what they want us to see and what we, what they want us to hear. And uh, I believe that we just need really need to disconnect from most what goes around and go a little bit more inward and listen to ourselves and yes to be informed but not by only mainstream media or or the doctor two years everybody told us we need to get the vaccine and everything and now suddenly one day it there was gone and the next day it was gone <laughs> and nobody's talking about it anymore and i mean that's the way in, in israel suddenly it's okay we move on to the next thing it, it, that's that's not the way it should work People need to be uh, held accountable for what what they did to people. This was this was really terrifying for many people. Oh, it's also hard to say. Well, I was really stupid, or I was really wrong, or why they didn't ask questions. And, and it's very hard for people to to acknowledge that they were wrong. Uh, so it will take time. What I also see is they they make us believe that we are responsible for somebody else. I am responsible for the health of somebody else, and I don't know if he, what he's doing, what he's eating, what he's smoking, what he, uh, where his environment is. I don't know anything about him, but I'm responsible for him, and he is responsible for me. So, in a, nobody's really responsible for anything anymore. So there is no responsibility at all because I cannot be responsible for somebody else's health, and he cannot be responsible for me. So in the end, nobody is responsible for anything. We all need to do whatever they say. This is crazy. <laughs> There were many people who, who, also my grandfather said, there were nice people who did really terrible things that you would never ever thought that they would listen to the Germans or, or to the Nazis. Yes, uh, he always told them, don't call them Germans, they were Nazis. Uh, so he, he said that the really regular, normal, nice people did the most horrible things, had the most horrible thoughts. And they didn't know he was Jewish, so they were talking freely to him. And it was, it's so scary to see that people, regular, normal, nice people, can just go after uh, this kind of behavior and that they, that they think it's okay for the common good. <laughs> there is no common good. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a cornerstone a teaching from, from the, the founder of the Chabad movement, Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi. We must hear the child cries of the child. So this is what we have to tell these people. You know, oh, we're gonna. It's okay to ban all these children from school. It's okay to ban these students from an education. It's okay to ban all these parents from 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 having a livelihood for this greater good. We have to hear the cry of the child. Who are we marginalizing? Who are we condemning to poverty, to illiteracy, to, to dependence on government? Who are we harming here with with all these mandates? The, the justification, the greater good justification, it doesn't hold water because you have to hear the cry of the individual that, it, that these, these mandates are harming. And because we've, we've turned a blind eye, a blind ear, and this is the moment in history to open up your ears and open up your eyes to the cries of the individual. The individual's life, the individual's rights matter. And this is what I don't understand what, what's happened. Like, in other words, in the, people say, oh, the highest thing is safety and security. No, that's not true. Safety and security is not the highest value. Freedom is a value worth dying for. People said, "Oh, we have to, we have to, we have to sacrifice our freedoms for the sake of safety and security." And that's not accurate. There are values worth dying for, and kowtowing to tyranny, submitting to tyranny, 
is not is not okay. That's what we need to be. We need to stop being afraid of death. We can embrace embrace our mortality. And if we're gonna die, then so be it. But we must be free. And that's it. And that's and that's and that's the moment. This is the moment of truth, of not being a silent, complicit person side and the sideline doing nothing, but standing out and speak, speaking out and 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 and, and insisting and insisting on our God-given freedoms, God-given liberties. Much has been said about the anti-Semitism. Much has been said about the well-advertised calamity impacting the Jews. But all of that would have been an impotent compound had it not been for the energy supplied by five corporations. The first one was the Ford Motor Company and through its leader, Henry Ford, as they proliferated this extraordinary falsehood that the Jews controlled the world and the Jews were planning to uproot all the militaries, control the media and the governments. And he did this, of course, through the Dearborn Independent newspaper and his works were actually proliferated by the Ford Motor Company through their dealerships. The information was translated into many languages, including German and Hitler studied these. And it was from Ford that his anti-Semitism entered a new dimension. And that dimension was not just that the Jews were other and a bad other, but they were an enemy trying to uproot the planet and humanity. The second of these companies was General Motors, because of course, General Motors gave the Nazis the wherewithal to wage war. The Blitz truck was produced by General Motors for the Blitzkrieg. Prior to this, Germany was essentially unmotorized. Yes, they had a lot of very pretty antique looking cars that were running around, but they had no mass production. General Motors also produced indispensable components for the Ju-88 bombers, engines for the Panzer tanks, landmine explosives, and torpedo heads. So from land, sea, and earth, General Motors was the arsenal of fascism and Nazism before they were the arsenal of democracy for the Allies. This essentially forces us to confront the fact that there would have never been a Holocaust on horseback. The third and fourth of these companies was the Carnegie Institution, which was a corporation, and it was based on the um, fortunes of Andrew Carnegie and the Rockefeller Foundation, which created all this eugenic nonsense that Jews were a eugenic menace, that Jews were some kind of organic bacteria that had to be counteracted and could infect future generations. In fact, the Rockefeller Foundation actually sponsored the assistant who ultimately went into Auschwitz to perform the twin tests, and that was Josef Mengele. It was more than just proliferating the science. They built the institutions. They financed the fellowships. They were there right through and after the beginning of, of the war and actually didn't pull out until the United States came in in December of 1941, but 
by that time it would have been too late. But the even more indispensable culprit was international business machines, IBM, the solutions company, which offered Hitler from the very first moment in January 30th, 1933, right through the last gasp of the Third Reich in May of 1945. They offered him all the solutions that he desired to achieve his goals, even the final solution. And so it was IBM that designed the custom punch cards, which were the forerunners of computers, and they were able to plan. IBM actually planned all six phases of the Holocaust, and that's because the Third Reich could only go as fast as the technology would allow them. And these phases were the identification of the Jews, the expulsion from society, the confiscation of their assets, the ghettoization of the Jews, the deportation to camps, and even the extermination of the Jews. It was IBM that designed and created the extermination by labor program where they would identify all the skills of the Jews and match those up to labor needs. And of course, then there was a transfer list that they generated and Jews were moved back and forth through the IBM list, which in Germany was known as the Hollerith list. Had it not been for these five corporations, the size and scope of the Holocaust would have a numerical quotient that does not resemble the six million that we know today. There are museums in, in the United States who do not wish to touch the issue of American involvement when it comes to corporations. We see major documentaries. They don't mention IBM. Money has been given. And also there is a mass amnesia and mythology that takes over that when Americans saw the actual fruits of their scientific frauds, of their racial ideas, the fact that the Carnegie Institution helped design the Nuremberg laws and the Nuremberg codes, when they actually saw this with the camps being liberated, they developed this, no, no, this was not us. We did not have a hand in this. And of course, when I say liberated, I don't really mean liberated. They were freed because there were no liberated concentration camps. There were no task forces that went out to find Dachau or Auschwitz and open the gates. These camps, one by one, were liberated accidentally by soldiers going somewhere else when they happened upon them, including Auschwitz, which was liberated just by accident by the Ukrainian National Front troops who said, what is this across the way from the road where they were bivouacked? The idea that FDR and the Allies had no planes to bomb the tracks going to Auschwitz is balderdash. It's an outright lie because they did not need precision bombing. They said, well, we didn't have the precision bombing. They were carpet bombing all the way from Normandy to Hamburg. And they never thought twice about not carpet bombing when it was needed. 
Why didn't they liberate these camps? Why? They didn't want to. Der Geist im letzten Weg, Gott Himmel in Blein, versternbläut Weg. Kimmen wird noch in Seroys gebänkt, so. Es wird der Polter unser Trott, wir senden du. Kimmen wird noch in Seroys gebänkt, so. Es wird der Polter unser Trott, wir senden du. Grünen Palmenland bis weißen Land für Schnee. Wir kommen um mit unser Pein, mit unser Weh. Und wie es gefallen ist, das Spritz für unser Blut. Spotzen wir dort unser Gewehr, unser Miet. Und wie es gefallen ist, das Spritz für unser Blut. Spotzen wir dort unser Gewehr, unser Miet. Die Morden sind bei Gilden ins dem Heind. In der Nächten wird verschwinden mit dem Feind. Rot. Well, um, holy shit. Versammeln wir die Sehnende. 
Der Baron soll sein, das Lied von Bozodot. Der Wort versammeln die Seele. Der Baron soll sein, das Lied von Bozodot. Das Lied geschrieben ist mit Blit, die nicht mit Leid. Sie nicht kein Liedelchen auf Heuge, Leute, frei. Du sollst Erfolg zwischen Fahnen, die gewinnt. Du sollst gesingen mit Naganis in die Hände. Du sollst Erfolg zwischen Fahnen, die gewinnt. Du sollst gesingen mit Naganis in die Hände. Du sollst kein Lass, die Geist im letzten Weg. She lived in a ghetto. Uh, just outside of Dachau, both her mother and father were killed in Dachau. Um, and she still lives there today. From I believe she passed away, I think a while ago, um, like my just after my grandfather. She had something to do with my grandfather. My grandfather sponsored her or something along those lines because um, my grandfather had already gotten back from the war and he was missing his leg. He's like, I can like they, me. They can't hear us. You you can't hear us. Weird. Maybe we can't really hear you. What do you mean can't really hear us? You should be able to hear us just fine. Maybe it's still pulling the stream from the other one. Maybe you remove it before we go to the second part. All right. Is that better? Can, Can you, you guys hear us now? Hear us now? Everybody else is saying it's five by five. Okay. Anyway, um, she, I, I remember... Yeah, now, I, now they can hear us. That was what it was. I, I'm not sure how she's, whether my grandfather did something. I, I'm not sure. Either way, she was somehow connected to our family that when I was, I want to say I was, I was either ten, nine or 10. She came to visit us in the States. And I remember my dad going to get her and bringing her back to the house. And I had no idea who this woman was, but she reminded me immediately when I saw her of my grandmother and I was like, no way. And anyway, I, I took a personal attention to her because I love my grandmother. And, uh, the one thing she told me over and over again, she said, it will happen again. And I remember it as if I was listening to it yesterday. And when he said that, I was like, Holy shit. Same thing my grandfather said. It will happen again. My grandfather said they 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 didn't lose. They just they went into hiding and they're coming back. And I also want to remind you one of the things they said too. 1930 to 1936, there were Nazis here in the US. We had a designated building in Washington, DC for the Nazi Party. Yeah. Just yeah. So you all are aware because mm -hmm. the Germans were, required it. Well, they were the acknowledged leaders of Germany at the time. Yeah. So absolutely. They had, they had an embassy in Washington, just like every other country. 
I uh, remember that. Just remember that when you're watching this shit. Think about our involvement in the war and what we did. There was plenty of it. I got to go back to here, right? Yep. Let me share this one. So it will happen again. Uh, but what I said at the very beginning that you guys might not have heard was that Zev Zelenko, Dr. Zev Zelenko, he's only, he's born in 1973. He's, he's only yeah. three years older than, yeah. than Mick and only five years older than myself. That's crazy. That's that, that kind of blows me away. That's, that's craziness. Yeah. Anyway. We will be yes. back tomorrow night, 5.45 for yep. Liana's Lounge. And 6 p.m. the show will start immediately. Uh, Liana should be, be on tomorrow morning at mm -hmm. 9.05. 9 mm -hmm. So uh, go check her out over the Pelt site. If you're already there, then it's real easy now. You can like her show just like you like our show. Yeah. We will be broadcasting here shortly from Kick. Kick. Um, we will officially announce it tomorrow night. Tuesday night will be the first night that we do it. We already started an account there because we did get eliminated from all of our Twitch accounts, just in case you're aware, except for Canvas Combat, combat mm -hmm. but it's not ours. So we're not pushing that one right now. We will keep it up and we will keep broadcasting to it just like we always have, but we will be broadcasting to kick now in the mm -hmm. future. Um, we're really fuck Twitch. Yep. Fuck them right in their fuck holes because I don't even want to deal with them. Not even bring them up. Fuck them. They're a bunch of bitches. Mm. Go figure. They won't even let me, like, they won't even let me go into appeal now. Yeah. So fuck, fuck them. them. They're done. I'm done. I'm done with them. Anyhow. Uh, we will be broadcasting to Kick. So yep. check us out on Kick. Uh, it is another platform that I believe the chat will show up here. I'm not sure. Gotta no idea. Check. Uh, if that. not, we'll figure out another way to broadcast mm -hmm. that chat. We are trying to figure out another way to bring up the D Live chat. So if you're in D Live and you listen in D Live, we're going to have a D live chat up here soon. Uh, we have already figured out a way to do it. Um, it'll take a little bit, but a little finagling, nothing big. Yep. Either way, uh, for everybody else, I hope you fuckers have CLB, a great- CLB, Liana's show goes on for like five hours. So every yeah. day. She goes from nine until two. She has a hard stop at 2 p.m. So even if you're not up at seven your time, um, tune in when you get up. She'll yeah, be on. She'll be on. Yeah. And she doesn't mind it when you tune in halfway through. Yeah. Trust me. I we, listen- We jump in and out in all the time. All the day. Yeah. Because I'm working and I try to listen as much as I can, but um, it won't play on TV. Pilled. Oh, it won't really. You got to do it through an uh, internet browser. Yeah, like, you got to do it through yeah. an internet browser. On yeah. if you're going to do it on your TV, do it through an internet browser. Either way, uh, we will be back tomorrow night. Yep. And uh, that's it. Hey, if you know anybody dinner. that's looking for us, please let them know where we're at. And we had to move because Twitch fucked us. Just send them to the website patriotpartypod.com. Everything and, now and is can... updated. It will bring mm -hmm. them to a spot that we're actually playing at. So. Yep. Everything's there. We will be adding the kick, uh, kick, kick account there, account there too as well. Yep. So either way, for the Mick and B Lynn, you guys have a great fucking night, and we will see you tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. Thanks for watching. Good night, fuckers, and uh, we'll see you later. And thanks to Vera. From the woods to the plate Ain't never went hungry Ain't never too late To so come around here, son Running your mouth
can fuck around and find out. You can fuck around and find out. You can't make it through the snakes, snares, and alligators. But once you get to the gate, you can't depend on your waiters. Cause you'll be over your tater. I'm talking growing tomatoes. Feeding the worms, I fish with later. I'll have a fish stick plate over a six foot grave. Before I take a knee as our hand to play. My hands on my heart, I stand on what I say. And my second amendment handles what I can. I ain't trying to be feeling badass or talk shit. I'm just saying, there's the line. Don't cross it. I got a red rod gun when I was three, so I don't run to hide from anything. Bitch, I'm a red, white, and blue collar bulb on the side. You can fuck around and find out. Love my country, love my freedom. Fuck the welfare, now I don't need them. Shotgun lays from the woods to the plate. Ain't never went hungry, ain't never too late. To come around here, son, running your mouth. You can fuck around and find out. Okay. You can fuck around and find out. If they looking for me, well, they know where to find me. I'll be half drunk, strapped up in a white tee. I can show you if it's needed. When you see it, you'll believe it. If you don't love it, you can leave it. Michael Jackson, you can be F-A-F-O, I teach you how this game go. Different joints, same smoke. Wake up, wear the same clothes. Real redneck, I'm a piece of white trash. Blue collar boy, but my lady's high class. Got the music way up loud with a cigar in my mouth. Fuck around and come find out how we do it in the South. I ain't saying nothing, but you're running that mouth. I never take a hand out, I'm too damn proud. I'm a son of the dirt South with a truck seat high and he straight pops out. This land, land of freedom, double barrels in case we need. Man up, we'll sit your ass down. We done talking, fuck around and find out. Love my country, love my freedom, fuck the welfare, now I don't need them. Shotgun raised from the woods to the plate, ain't never went hungry, ain't never too late. To come around here, son, running your mouth. You can fuck around and find out. You can fuck around and find out.